Bluebells Forever podcast is sponsoring an exciting online dance competition, the International Online Dance Competition. Compete with videos you already have. Judged by industry experts from Cirque du Soleil, La La La, Human Steps, Broadway Underground, Bollywood, The Bolshoi Ballet, and Juste Dubois, be seen by an audience of tens of thousands. Receive feedback and win. Submit your dance videos on our website between May 5th to June 5th. Only $5 per video entry with over $10,000 worth in prizes to win. For more information, visit iodc.online. Bluebells Forever podcast is proud to sponsor and encourages our listeners to apply. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So welcome, Helly Hansen, to Bluebells Forever podcast. And this is a different kind of uh, episode today. And um, we're doing a tribute to the wonderful Kate Vanderleet, which I've never met, but I have heard so much about her over the few years. And at the reunion, when her photo comes up and uh, there's a lot of photos and I just went, wow, she was a star. And I've learned more since then, but I know that the, the reaction in the room is like, she was admired by so many people because her career was so long and she was in several shows. So I hope that people listening will feel like this is a tribute and a chance to connect with her. So I just want to welcome you. And before we get into your story, you just told me something before we recorded that I think is a great way to start that you still message, you do messenger and Facebook with her and you guys communicate. Can you share what you said? Because I think it's such a great way to lead in and what you told her, what you're going to do today. Yes. Uh, after talking to you the other day, I uh, sent her a text on messenger and I said to her, I will uh, talk to you today. And in honor of her, I will let the world know uh, some stories from the back stage and also from her private life and our friendship indeed you told her you weren't gonna you weren't gonna tell too many things and embarrass her (laughs) (laughs) well we have a lot of uh, private uh, stories together and lots of uh, funny moments Uh, a big laugh she was always a very very big laugh Um, and loud and <laughs> of course, I will. Uh, she was a very private lady, and she would not want the whole world to know all her private stories. Mm-hmm. She actually didn't tell a lot of private things to to people, and even her family don't know her most private things. No, we shared that a lot uh, as woman to woman, and we had yeah. a big understanding for each other and uh, respect as well. But well, I will do good things to you. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the parts, like you said, the parts that are quirky, that make us unique, that she wasn't just this out of reach star, that people knew her as a human, but as a friend, you get to see the different sides. You get to see without the makeup, you get to see like the late night conversations. So you have a very different relationship than a lot of people may have had. I think sometimes the, the higher you, up you are, the harder it is to have the friends like in the whole cast because you kind of get set apart in your dressing room and how people sometimes respect you so much that they don't maybe come into your life as much. So I want to know your story, like how you, where you grew up and like what got you to the Lido because I always think that's fascinating because every interview I do, 
it's always amazing to me, like how, how we start out and how we end up in these shows. Like, it's always a fun, crazy journey. Like, how did I get there? And like everyone's story is like, well, that's a different way. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little girl dream story. Um, like a lot of girls want to see themselves on the stage or being famous or rich or whatever. Uh, my story was I was um, a gymnast as a child and for quite a number of years and on a high level in Denmark, which is not that high compared to the big world. Um, but I did very well and I had some it, uh, lessons with a lots of different dance teachers uh, around Denmark and also uh, a royal ballerina um, from the Royal Theatre in Denmark, hmm. the Royal Ballet actually. And uh, that led me on to classical music, uh, ballet lessons and I loved it so much. And then I carried on the dance lessons with a lot of different people. And one of them told me to go to London and train and to become a professional dancer. And I thought that was amazing. So the year after I packed my bags and I left, I went to London and I started training. Were you very, like, was that your whole thing? You were there, like work to just keep yourself training? Cause some people were like, oh, I'll take a class now. And then were you like one of those people that dove right in there and many classes a week? Oh yes, yes. Every day I did classes. I trained at the Andrew Hardy School of Dancing in Kensington. And then I went to the Erdang studio. It was a modern jazz uh, dance house. And then of course I uh, went to Covent Garden um, Pineapple Studios where everybody went, but it was yeah. more show off than it was uh, serious. But I, I used to enjoy that as well. They had a lot of different classes. So that covered me very well. And then I started doing auditions. And my first audition I went to in London, I got the job. And that was the beginning. I never thought that I was just going to try and do an audition. Yeah. I never thought I would get the job, but I did. So what was, went, that, what was that for? What audition was that? It was a show like The Crazy Horse of Paris for a big man called uh, Paul Raymond. He's very famous in England. And he was the first man ever to start a show with naked or semi-naked women. They used to call it naked if you were topless. Like a that's like when so, yeah yes because when I say I was a tall nude people think that we were just standing out there with no, with nothing on I'm like oh everything was co covered except for our breasts but the, the new <laughs> word naked or nude makes people just imagine <laughs> that we're just walking out after the bath you know <laughs> and so in England how what is like what is the attitude towards that in Denmark as far as topless and those kind of shows did you have to battle any of that of people's assumptions of what the shows were no, not really. It, it, in Denmark, it's a very free country. You see naked people everywhere on the beach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, so it, it, yes, we, I, my mother used to go to the beach topless and everybody did that. And, but she, she used to do other crazy stuff too when I was young. So uh, I, I, I'm maybe not from a completely normal family, but <laughs> it was very free and open and, you know, the wild sixties, I'm born in 61. So um, yeah, it was a wild time and I never thought of, about being topless or not topless. Uh, my issue was when I was hired the first time um, in one of the biggest shows after London, that uh, the topless uh, dancers were paid quite a bit more than the dancers with the top on. And I thought, well, the more money you can make the better and the <laughs> steps are the same. So it didn't make any difference for me. Yeah. And 
and you can't choose what you're going to be in a show. You're chosen, so it, it's not something you ask for or not ask for. You're given it. Oh. So how many shows did you do before you got to the Lido? Oh, I've done quite a lot of shows. I've done a show in London uh, with Paul Raymond, and he owned another place, a theatre, uh, Levian Rose, also uh, quite a famous uh, venue. Then I went to Japan, and after that, I went back to London and carried on to Spain. And I did uh, La Scala for in Madrid first, and then I had a knee accident, and I had that fixed. And then I went back to Barcelona after. And then I did another little tour of Japan, and then I went back to the Lido. Or then I went on to went the to Lido. Lido. So you yes. were already out, because some people, if that's their first show, but you were already getting to travel and oh, get yeah. your professional dance, like things figured so, out and worked out. So what, what was your audition? Was it a was it a, a big call or was it just an individual? Uh, it was individual, but I used to uh, see uh, a person in called Peter Baker. He was famous for uh, a lot of things, but he was uh, a man who used to find dancers for Miss Bluebell at her time. And I was auditioned there and with Miss Bluebell and I was hired and I even had a contract, but something happened with the, the contract because she was uh, stopping and another uh, direction was taking over. So I was kind of in the middle of that. And I, so I didn't get my contract and I waited for three months and I thought, okay, now I carry on with something else. I can't wait anymore for this. So I went to Japan and then I, after the Japan, uh, six months in Japan, I asked the leader to give me an audition and they just put a new show on, Bravissimo. And I thought, well, I'm just late, but I'm in Japan. I can't really go to Paris just like that. So I communicated with them and they said, come over and see us. And uh, I think uh, one of the first days they did the new show, I did an audition. So yes, and I was hired. I did an audition at the Moulin Rouge, at the Crazy Horse and at the Lido, and I was offered contracts all three places. <gasps> Yay! Oh my gosh, wow. To uh, Paris. That's so, a hard choice when people are like, oh, I have to choose between all these really good I, ones. I was, I knew what I wanted. Yeah. What, why was did, why was it the Lido? What, what, what did you know or see of the Lido that made you choose that? Well, I had friends at the Lido, uh, first of all, that I danced with in Spain. So that was uh, one thing, but also, my impression at that time was that the leader was uh, of a higher standard. It, it's, it's sad to say that because I don't think the standard of the dancers were, but it was more uh, an elegant show, whereas the Moulin Rouge is more for everybody with the can-can and that we didn't do that at the Lido. Mm. It's also so that, safer on your body. I heard that can-can is taken yes. out a few a few hips <laughs> over the decades and also the crazy horse <laughs> was an amazing venue because i came from that kind of scenery in london uh, but i was quite tall for the stage there it's the ceiling is not very high and they had trouble to find out how they could fit me in my i couldn't have heels and i thought no i can't be half naked and not have heels <laughs> So I thought, no, it, they're, they're bothering too much with that. I'm going to uh, chill out on that. And then I would say yes to the leader. But I knew I would say yes to the leader if they would have me. 
Yeah. They did. Uh, Pierre did tell me the Pierre, uh, the director of the Lido at the time when I applied, uh, after Bluebell was uh, gone. He said to me that uh, there was a problem with my hair, and uh, because I had very short uh, blonde hair, dyed blonde, it was white. And uh, he said, I don't know how you're going to put the big cats in the wigs and how we're going to make the wigs matching your color. I said, oh, just give me the wigs and I will dye them for you. <laughs> and he never would forget that. He always said, can you remember when you told me you'd take the wigs and dye them? At home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think uh, he was always laughing about that. People who know me, they know this story and they will laugh with us. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking, now that I know more about how much these costumes cost, to just say, I'll just take it home and dye it. That makes us that very much funnier. So you were there at the beginning of Pierre's start of management, right? Because you auditioned when Miss Bluebell was there and then you came in when Pierre was now the, the new director. Well, Miss Bluebell, she came to London and I went to an audition with her and Peter Baker, who is apparently past... Uh, on two, uh, yeah. I don't know that for a fact, but I heard about that. And um, I used to have a great time with him. He was uh, very nice with me, actually. So he did a great uh, deal for me in London too, in television and, and with other things. So, yeah. So they don't have that anymore. They don't have that kind of thing, like someone scouting for dancers. That like I felt like there's they had so many wonderful dancers to get and they had the choice to get the best. Yes. So instead of just like okay, we take what we get at the audition, they had the luxury of going around the world and finding okay. what they yeah. wanted, which makes yes. it makes me understand more how privileged we were of what yes. an honor that that we got in because it wasn't just out of your local city; it was the world. So yes. we need to say, oh my gosh, we were part of that. <laughs> yes. But so what? Paris for for my audition and I went into a private audition and there was about three girls me and two other girls I think one was French and I can't remember and uh, yes they uh, offered me a contract the day after wow did you come into the show was already going or did you come into with the whole no, cast going it uh, it was a full cast and I had to learn very fast so after on the third day of my uh, my rehearsals, I was in the show on the third night in a few numbers, two or three numbers. So uh, that's always crazy to me. I did the same thing in so many stories. And now I'm thinking with my older brain, it's hard to imagine learning that fast and being thrown into a very professional with people paying a lot of money to see these shows. And we just somehow figured it out and not run into people, not have your costumes have disasters. It's really is miraculous of how fast dancers pick up and get put in. And that's probably when they audition, they need to know that, can you think fast? Because if you've got to go slow for, there's no time, you have to just get it exactly. no matter what. But after rehearsals, you go home and you don't stop to do it before you go to bed. You keep and you wake up and you do it while you're doing yeah. your and you, <laughs> and you dream about it all night long. Oh my gosh. So when did you meet Kate and how did you meet Kate? Was she in the show already? She was in the show. She was not uh, the lead. It was uh, another American girl. Uh, it was a couple actually. And uh, she took over from this lady after some months. I can't remember exactly, but within the first year she was uh, given that uh, position. And uh, she was brought back from uh, Vegas to Paris by Pierre Rombert. 
and he was just in love with her. He thought she was divine and she certainly was. I didn't make friends with her straight away. It was a coincidence. We both went to a cafe nearby after rehearsals one day and uh, it was uh, cold at Christmas time. And so it must be about six months in my contract because it was winter and I went over there in the summertime. So I was uh, ready for a cafe au lait and to write some lovely Christmas cards. And in the corner of this cafe where I thought I was gonna be uh, peaceful and alone, <laughs> was Kate. And you don't miss her when you enter the room, you can't miss her. And she didn't look up, but she saw me and I thought, okay, if you don't say hello, I will leave you to that. Me, I'm happy to be alone too. And then within 10 minutes or so, I ordered my coffee and uh, she started to talk and she didn't stop talking. And she was uh, not happy about seeing me writing Christmas cards because she boycotted uh, her Christmas cards that year. She was fed up with that, she said. And fed up to not be close to the family and she was not in a good mood and she well she made me not write them because we just had such a laugh and such a chat about how silly it was with all the Christmas and how sad it was to be away from home and uh, yes but uh, it, it was very funny and that was the beginning of our friendship it was not meant to be like that yeah of course like I said earlier if you have a um, a lead in a show you don't just go and knock on the door and say hey can we have a chat uh, yeah but to invite you you used to get invited but i didn't go that much because um, i was busy with my own group and i was uh, seven floors down in the theater and she was actually right near the stage door on the street level so it was kind of uh, it's it, a lot of walking up and down to to see each other it was just hello and goodbye and we saw each other outside of the theater. And she she's, oh, sorry. she's American, right? She's from California? Yes. Exactly. Has she been working in shows before the Lido or was she in Vegas or did she, when P she Peter found her? Yeah. Okay. And they brought her over. I think she was very young when she went, when she started dancing, but she was a Parisian bluebell girl uh, or working for the Lido in Paris for around 30 years i would say wow something this like is that. i'm loving these longevity stories because yeah, it, like have you said the assumption an energy it's incredible what she could do and she delivered every night and what was it about her because people talk about her that there was something magical like when she was when she took the stage all eyes went to her and I've seen pictures and I, I do want to see some video, but I mean, there's a few people like uh, Carissa uh, Burgess and or Karina Burgess and Marissa Burgess and uh, uh, Herma Voss. Like there's some of these people over all these decades that stand out to people as like the stars and everybody in that show is wonderful, but there is something that sets some of these people apart. Do you, do you, do you watch her and do you know what it was that made her stand out so much about how she was on stage? Well, she took her job very serious <clears throat> and it was obvious that she was so dedicated and her charisma could just reach out uh, through the front door of the Lido out to the street. She could probably catch people to come in just to see her. She filled out the whole stage and uh, <clears throat> it was easy to find her between 200 dancers. 
you you would know where was she. Really? Public point of view. She was amazing. She had a big charisma. She had a big dedication. Uh, everybody would look at her uh, and and just be overwhelmed. She she filled out the whole room, even yeah. though she was a tall, very slim woman, but she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've it's... never ever in my career met somebody like her. Of course, also Elite has all the big costumes. She has a voice uh, because she's singing. So all the attention goes to, to her, of course, when she's on stage. Um, and when I was on stage with my group, she was not always part of, of that entrance. So, but when she came, we all uh, backed her up uh, 200% because we knew we have to push for her. Yeah. And just support her to give her the space and to make sure we were not in her way or whatever so we we were backup girls like backup singers in a band <laughs> so and how did your friendship develop like how did you guys become closer like after the christmas card thing what a great bonding <laughs> and also being away always, from home and missing your family like it's yes. a great way to connect it, it was quite funny and she's not somebody you could choose to have as a friend. I think you were chosen or picked. And I'm a pretty cool, uh, easygoing person. And uh, I love to joke and laugh and I like to have a good time. And I think I was interesting for her, maybe because I was uh, from another part of the world, from Denmark, and she wanted to know what was that like. She was very eager to know about cultures and places and uh, never stopping to find out things and uh, yeah she was um, hungry for life and and to find out about people and her being half Dutch was it's quite close to Denmark Holland and I think we had some things in common from that uh, side of our lives that she was half Dutch her father being Dutch yes yeah and we could share a lot of uh, Northern European uh, things together. And that was interesting to her, I think. And I used to love her American ways, absolutely loud and crazy and <laughs> hilarious and uh, really, really crazy in the best possible way. It's interesting, like I'm American and I don't know if I'm loud or not, but when I've traveled with Americans, I was sitting, I think it was in Denmark, where we were. But like sitting quietly reading a book and I could hear my friends coming miles away because everybody else was more quiet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here comes the Americans. Like we are louder <laughs> and probably just say things without editing. We don't think about, you know, what we say, if it's appropriate or not. And so you, and you don't know it until you go somewhere else and go, oh, okay. <laughs> not everybody shares all their intimate details in full conversations out loud in public. Well, she used to be funny. I, I, I had my first daughter in Paris, and I think the first person who came to see me, uh, apart from my husband at the time, was Kate. And really? I knew she was coming because even when she entered just the front hospital door, she said, where's that Miss Helly Hansen and that baby girl? She was screaming it out. So I, I was so, must say, a little bit surprised and <laughs> embarrassed because it was quiet and peaceful. And the babies were sleeping and it was it was not like a hospital in Denmark. It was uh, 
it was old fashioned in a way, but a very good service, but different to what I'm used to. And her coming in like that, they were, everybody was looking at her thinking, wow. private life I couldn't walk down the street with her without her telling everybody who she was and what she was doing she was a star at the Lido and even after she stopped at the Lido she would tell everybody I used to be the the front woman of the big show in the yeah at the Lido in the Champs-Élysées she used to be very proud of that which is so great because I think some people like I don't say that but I think it but then to just say it and go okay deal with it if you like that great so you guys yeah. had the same night off. What was, what did you, every Tuesday, did you guys do things together? Yes, Tuesday nights. Uh, yes, we used to do, most Tuesdays, we'd go out and eat. Her favorite uh, food was uh, mussels and, and, well, French fries. And I hated <laughs> mussels, so it was a bit of a fight every time we had to eat. <laughs> we uh, used to go to see other shows if we didn't know what to do, we'd go to the Moulin Rouge because it was easy to go there. We knew a lot of people and it was free to get in. We was always treated nicely and drinking champagne. And then we'd go to meet the dancers from that theater in a place called La Machine. It was, well, it's still there. It's a club that you go to after work uh, when you are in that district of Paris. And I used to live nearby, so it was easy for us to do that. And uh, we went to see a lot of concerts. We went to cultural things, uh, museums. Uh, we did a lot of uh, things together. We could even take a, a boat trip on the river just to cool down on a hot summer evening and just to look at all the lovely apartments and talking about where would we like to live and look at that place with all the big windows out to the river, how amazing it must be. And yeah, we had dreams and laughed together. Oh my gosh. I'm listening to this guy. I wish I could have hung out with you guys. I wish I was in Paris then because I know like for some of us, we don't, we assume we're going to just keep doing this life forever. And then you leave a city and maybe never come back, but to be like on your night off when a lot of people would just be staying home resting, you guys were like totally living Paris in such a wonderful way. It's like, that's, that also says a lot about both your personalities, but like, let's just go enjoy everything yes. we can enjoy. And you said about food too, because I wanted to eat my way through Paris because the food was so delicious, but you can yes. do that and not gain weight. I think that's <laughs> like we were saying, like the we shows take were- care of the days and drink yeah. a lot of water. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, we, we did that. And if not, she would come to my place. I used to have a beautiful apartment and we could sit on my big uh, roof terrace and see the Sacré-Cœur in the background or the river on the other side. It was amazing. We had a very good time. She used to love to come to my house. I used to always have lots of champagne and cold. (laughs) Wow. So did it it right away? You guys were just really good friends. Cafe uh, trip. Yes. Uh, I I always said hello and gave her a kiss. And and we always used to communicate on stage just with the looks or the eyes and a laugh, but uh, never, of course, talking or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it was um, more a private side of and, and a private pr- friendship that at work, we didn't show everybody we were friends. Yeah. And we used to talk about our family, our sister, she had brothers, I have brothers too, but they were very young at that time. Yeah. Uh, so we used to share the family uh, stories and she told me a lot about her families. 
so I knew a lot. And I guess when you are away, you need somebody to connect with. And she had more friends on the male side than on the female side. Yeah. But she does have some very good female friends too, and also dancers. So you might uh, maybe connect with them at some point. So. There's a there's a girl in the show. I was in Hello Hollywood, Hello, and um, Liz Elliott was the lead there for the whole time. She also did Jubilee and Leslie Bandy. But I just they were so good that I I would never think to talk to them because I was in such awe. And I think my assumption is because they are up there as a star that maybe they're not nice or I don't know funny. And then I've been I've done two interviews with Liz, and she is hysterical. And both Leslie, they're so funny. They're very quirky kind of goofy in a way. And I don't know that I ever could have pictured that because, because they're a star, you kind of put them away where you don't know the reality of them. And I think it kind of is limiting for them sometimes to have friends with that much intimacy when people yeah. kind of already have an assumption that, oh, you're better, or you wouldn't talk to me because I'm not as high up there as you. I don't know that that's for everybody's case, but I know a lot of people look up to them, but it can be a lonely place too, if you're a lead you don't hang out in the same lodge with everybody else you kind of are separated you lonely they are we were separated but she started at the lido in a room with uh, eight girls so she was one of the girls and she was not at my lodge but uh, yes i think she was okay alone but i think she would have preferred to be with everybody else but she used to always go and say hello to the boys so when you to her lodge too and all this uh, circus artists, they were all sharing on the same uh, corridor as her. So she was hanging out with the people from, not from the dancers, but from the other groups that were doing shows between our dancing numbers. Yeah. And actually, I used to be uh, high up where I was before I went to the Lido. Um, so I never thought about there was a difference in people, uh, whether they were a star for sure or had solos or whatever uh, I, I never really thought about that I was just happy to be one of the girls in the line yeah I had the other uh, part of it where you have to really um, well fill out the stage by yourself so uh, but that's amazing too but it's different two different things yeah but, uh, I never thought that it was scary to um, be with her because she was the star of the show I never actually thought about that before you asked me it never occurred to me that we had a difference in yeah. person and she huh. never made me feel like that I was never intimidated by her in any way it was a very respectful relation and uh, it was just very loving too we used to enjoy each other's company so much and we had the best of laughs ever did she have a good sense of humor <laughs> sorry mm. She have a good sense of humor like humor oh, sometimes have to fun. match like like friends humors so have to match together but it was not just fun it was also deep conversations she was a very clever woman yeah. uh, and she could feel you from far away and that's maybe why she could reach out so uh, much on a stage because she felt it she she did everything with her all her body and not just on the outside the whole inside was on show <sighs> yeah the yeah. heart bigger than big and she was uh, an amazing uh, loving person the people she took in into her life they had a great love from her oh yeah because you can I, smile and beam and all that but if it's not coming from the inside I think people can tell the difference 
Like if you, you need all the sparkles, you have to have something coming out or else the sparkles take over. You can have a beautiful costume and it's all about the costume. And I could see if you put someone who's not a star in those big costumes, they would just vanish. You would just be looking at the costume. And no, she could make the costume grow 10 times bigger. And they were big enough as they were the costumes for her. Yeah. Uh, now at the leader, the costumes are not so big anymore. It's a whole different setup with the Cirque du Soleil. So it's not the same. Uh, 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 well, it's not the same as when we were there. They don't do the big costumes. I still enjoyed the show, but I mm -hmm. do think the, the costumes were amazing at the time. Yeah. How many there. shows? How many shows? Did, did you guys just do that show? Did you... Stay yeah, I, did probably, you know, I stayed a few years then after I did a tour to Japan for the Lido and then I did some uh, salons uh, for for the Lido around the world, mostly in Germany. And uh, yeah, I was connected with the Lido for around four years. And after that, I became a scout for a Japanese company who was hiring European dancers for their shows in Japan. Wow. So that's very interesting. Yes. Okay, so back in the 80s, too, we didn't have Facebook and even like I just remember selling telegrams are expensive. Did you guys stay in touch or was it uh, just assumed we're friends would find each other eventually? No, well, she uh, stayed on for years, right? She stayed and did all like several shows after that. Yes, she did. That. Yeah, two shows after. And uh, no, uh, she used to call me after her show three o'clock in the morning when I was in bed with my daughters and uh, getting up early for work, <laughs> uh, asking me if we should have a glass of wine together and a little chat. And uh, as I, well, I put the kettle on and maybe she had her glass of wine in her hand, but we were drinking together, but different things <laughs> and had a good chat and a laugh. And yes, I was always there for her. And if I called her, she would be there for me, but I knew her hours at work. We didn't talk every day and we didn't talk every week, but when we talked, we talked. And she used to come and see me. She would tell me that now she booked a flight to Denmark. She used to go to the Danish church in Paris because it was in the same street as where the entrance for the Lido backstage is. So she used to go there and connect a lot for uh, Christmas uh, fairs and whatever. And she won a, a ticket from that fair once from the church. And she came to Denmark and said, oh, I won the lotto at your Danish church. She always goes to support the, and buy Danish food. She loves the Danish cheese and the bread. And I used to send her that stuff. I bring it to her. And <laughs> I love that. It, it was quite funny. And she used to say, well, I'm coming there. Uh, are you ready for me? I said, yeah, I'm always ready. You just come. And she used to just pop up once she came here without telling me. Really? <laughs> yes. She was crazy. <sighs> And at some point, she even met a Danish guy, and she used to come a little bit more uh, after that. But of course, she was still working. So with one day off a week, you don't do yeah. a lot of traveling. So uh, nope, she came here quite a number of times. All my family knows her. My daughters know her. They used to give up their bedroom for her. So she had a room for herself. And uh, we had a good time. Everybody that says a lot for her to take the time to travel to see you. That just says a lot about your friendship. Because it is easy now with Facebook, we can just kind of stay in touch, but to actually physically go see someone or pick up the phone, it, it's yeah. harder work. And I think some friendships just fade away. They were good for a time. But the fact that that went on all the way to the end of her life, that you guys had that, that kind of a friendship, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, well, 
at the last seven years of her life, she was suffering a lot um, with illnesses. And she, first of all, she had a hip replacement. Then she fell on her bicycle and she broke her underarm and it was put together with screws and God knows what. And then uh, finally she became very ill that uh, took her life away uh, as she couldn't be fixed. So um, I'm very happy for Messenger because I have all our conversations and all her love. And, and she told me uh, one of the last texts on Messenger and um, the last talk I had with her a few days before she died in a hospital in Paris. She said to me, don't worry, we will still be together in the spirit and oh. uh, not to worry about her. She would never want nobody to worry about her. Yeah. She would want to be happy and she would never say she was bad, even though as a friend, when you talk to her, you know she's bad. Yeah. She kept that private. And she's what was she's from the States, but she wanted to be in Paris at the end, is what you shared well, with me. She was in Paris uh, till about uh, six months before she died. Then she packed her apartment up in Paris. And she went back to the stage and lived with her father in the house uh, where she was brought up with the family. Uh, her mother died uh, something like 10 years before. And she stayed with the father and I talked to her on the phone um, when she was back in the States and uh, she was not well, for sure. Her voice was not the same. And I couldn't bring it up to the level uh, that it used to be. Um, but she was trying to see if she could get help in the States, I think. Uh, if they could do something else for her, they couldn't do in Paris. Um, but at the end, uh, and just a few days after an operation of organ or operation of the liver, I suppose, uh, she took a plane. She was not allowed to, but she did. She went back to Paris and straight from the airport, she went to the hospital George Pompidou in Paris. And she stayed there for a few weeks, two or three weeks. And then she passed away with all her friends around her. She, oh, she did. At the hospital. They couldn't believe, they didn't know who she was. And when we told the staff, all the nurses and doctors who she really was, then they were amazed. I think we had about between 20 and 50 people through her room every day. Wow. We were just all standing around her bed, holding her, touching her, uh, just supporting her and being happy, telling stories. And But she knew uh, she was quite doped. Uh, she could dope herself. So yeah. she, she was in pain. And uh, we did have some lovely, bright moments with her then. She time. did. She keep. She kept it private. Then when did she? Did she start letting friends know, or did people start sharing with her friends? When she became ill, and I knew she had uh, cancer, then I called a friend, a very good friend in Paris, uh, one of my close friends from the Leader Two, Susie Rowcliffe, uh, now Portel, married to a French, a lovely French gentleman, and um, and I asked her to help. Uh, with the doctors and translation and whatever and just to support her because she is also uh, Susie a lady with a big heart and she would always help anybody who needed help and she supported her all the way through she went with her every time she had treatments and whatever and went with her to help and support her all the way through her illness 
And she was the one who held her hand when she closed her eyes. And she used to stay at the hospital in the night for days without showers or nothing, food or whatever. She used to just be there for her all the time. It was so amazing, very amazing. So I was following on the side what was going on. And then I decided at the end uh, to go and see her at the hospital. I passed the emergency uh, at one o'clock in the morning and they said, you can't come here. I said, I'm sorry, but you don't know who I'm gonna visit. Miss Kate Vanderlit is on the third floor and she's waiting for me and I have to see her now because obviously I was scared she would not make it to see me the next day. Yeah. So I passed the gate and uh, they let me go and all the days she'd been bad and Susie said to me, uh, you will not talk to her. She's gone in a deeper sleep and I think they say she probably won't wake up again. I said, wait and see. And then I entered the room and then she was bang, hey. <laughs> really she, yeah she asked oh. me if i did bring the heineken so i said no i will i will bring that for you tomorrow so i brought her some beers but she never had one but at least she knew they were there nearby she knew she was... there's something that's so it makes me i was tearing up because i know a lot of people picture at the end their family is going to be around them like their actual biological family Yes. But the family that she created in all these years to hear that it was you guys that were there at the end with her, like that's family in a totally different way. That's choosing that's to be there for the chosen family. Yes. <sighs> and uh, sister, John and Sarah were there. Yeah. And they, every day they used to stay in a, a hotel nearby and they used to come every day. Uh, uh, the big backup was all the dancers or, and the people she knew, uh, friends, we never let her one minute alone. She was always with somebody for the last uh, time. As soon as she entered that hospital, people just used to take over from each other and to make sure she was not alone. Her family uh, was in Paris. They were. That must have been a relief for them to have that extra help too, because it's exhausting for oh, two yeah. people to, to sustain that and grieve and not get any rest. Uh, devastated. They couldn't believe it. Um, and they were shocked that she had so many friends and the status she had in Paris and between all of us, they, they didn't know she was such a, a unique person to a lot of people. They were quite shocked and I spoke uh, to them every day and we still talk. Uh, really? We sent emails. I talked to her sister sometimes uh, to follow a little bit. They do some memorials for her and when they put her next to her mother to sleep, her beloved mother. Then, uh, yeah, so I know, so I know where she's at rest. And if I have the chance to go one day, I will go to visit and put uh, the most beautiful flowers I can find nearby. Oh, be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that's in California. Yeah. I talk to her on Messenger and I let her know what I'm doing. And I say happy birthday. I say Merry Christmas. And I told her a few days ago that our director from the Lido was dead and pleased to put the the wine in the fridge where she is so she could welcome him in a nice way <laughs> oh oh my gosh because these are both people I've never met but I've known recently of Kate and then with Pierre because of the podcast I've learned more and more it's just it feels important I think I might have said this in the beginning too that you know we're getting older and people are passing and the stories matter and the relationships matter and the fact that you know to picture them up there with some champagne maybe a Heineken you know, well, we grieve and celebrate their life, but just like these are every, every person that I've worked with is just amazing. And not just in the, business, the dance world, but that show 
business bonds you different than if you're going to like your nine to five job in your own state, like you're away from homes. I just think that those relationships that go on are the best stories that we tell of that part of our career. The costumes were great. The shows were great, but those relationships that see you all the way to the end. And after the fact that you're still communicating, you still feel connected to her. is so beautiful behind the costumes. And, uh, it's uh, it's just an honor to be part of that life. Um, it makes everybody who's been dancing uh, for that career uh, a very happy old person, I think. I will always look back at my time as something really amazing. And I thought it was not possible to do what I've done. And I feel unique for myself. And my daughter says also yeah, something special, but I'm not really i'm just me but i just did what i wanted to do and i actually i carry on doing that uh, for the rest of my life i don't never do something i don't want to do <laughs> yes it definitely yeah. sets us up when, especially you were talking about like showing the i think you might have said in the pre-interview about money like when you're going to get a real job and then you realize i had to i had have to work eight hours to make what i made doing or i have to work longer than eight hours to make what i made doing two shows doing what i love like it's hard to go Hmm, I'm going to actually choose what I want to do because it doesn't make sense to do what you don't like and get paid less. Yes. So did she work all the way up and she, she retired and then she got sick or was she sick at the end of her performing? Uh, Due to a new show and a new setup. And um, I'm sure if she could, she would still be there on that stage and delivering. I'm sure she would. Oh yeah. How old was she when she retired? In a big way, she, she, you couldn't uh, stop her. She was unstoppable, but she turned to other things. She, te- she was teaching Pilates after her time at the Lido to make some money and to connect with people. And uh, I, I met some of her, some of the people she was teaching at the hospital that also she had connected with. And it was another kind of uh, friendship uh, coming out of that story they were all uh, it was very peaceful and very calm very uh, zen in a way yeah. and uh, it made her also relax in herself I always imagine her to be quite um, so full of energy but she could actually relax like we used to do in our friendship outside of work when yeah. we things and dancing but she was always on top of herself when she was in the theater and mm. I saw that side of her in a professional way because she was teaching so she was still still working for money and yeah. then she had the that private side that I knew her from with these people she was teaching and that was kind of uh, peaceful to see that I, I enjoyed to see the people and all their little funny stories and they were laughing so much too so it was not just with me she laughed she laughed with the whole world and the people that got very close to her that's amazing so with their reunion when they showed because I'm getting it mixed up because I did the hello Hollywood hello reunion two years before Paris but at the we did a slideshow there was slides at at the reunion in Paris right and there was wasn't there slides and pictures of Kate yes I feel like there was a reverence in the room. Like we were like laughing and clapping and then people that had passed, we see their pictures. But I feel like when her photos came up, there was something that made me go, who is this? I didn't know who she was like, who is this? Why? There's something shifted. 
when people yeah. saw her pictures and how many people she had touched, not just that she was a star, but how many people, she, like you said, she gave, like she included people. So there, there was, a, I felt like the whole room changed when her I picture came up. Yes, exactly. I think that the people that came to the reunion in Paris are from that time that Kate was there. And now we have the chance and the money to take time off and to go to Paris to do reunion and to have a good time with everybody. I mean, I was there for, uh, I think it was uh, five days and I was invited to parties every day. I was in big parties all the time. It was uh, very, very lovely. Yeah. And, uh, after that, I took uh, one week holiday to the south of Spain with my daughters so we could uh, get back to normal before going back home. Yeah. <laughs> it was a how was that for you? Like to see her picture up there and to feel that with, with people, not by yourself. Cause you kind of, you were all separated to grieve and then to be back together and, and to be with your dance community, honoring her in a way. I knew she was coming up because I uh, asked to Lindsay who is setting up the reunions. And I said, I would really be happy if we could see a memorial for, for Kate that we just lost. Um, and I don't know if she had that idea before or not, but uh, I said it could be nice to see a picture of the people who passed away so we could follow uh, the people we knew yeah. and to honor them at least. It's, I know it's, I think it's very American to do memorials. And for me also, um, it was a way to remember her and to make everybody just stop because there was peace and silence in the room. Yeah. Uh, when we picked up our tickets to, to the reunion, the champagne party before, if you remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was very quiet. So it's like a moment of peace when something's very bad or like a sorrow for a whole country. And that's how it felt. She was like the lady of Paris. Oh, wow. Really. And to do it together feels important too. Like to, to yeah, a lot of do people. it with they people. Were, yeah. So... I don't know if I was an inspiration for that or if it was already thought of, but uh, I was very pleased with it. Very yeah, pleased. it and was so beautiful. Picture, we have a poster. I don't know if you have the poster from the reunion. We were able to buy a poster and uh, my picture, all the people from the- uh, that Oh, was it the one that, that had yeah. it with poster all of her pictures spelled picture. out? That picture of me, is from a picture with Kate and I cut Kate off uh, because I wanted her to be a little bit at the reunion with me. But of course I couldn't put two faces on the picture because it was posted and put on our entry cards and whatever. Yeah. So uh, she was, it was uh, from a New Year's Eve backstage at the Lido. So I felt that I took her with me a little bit. Oh, I love that. It was amazing, yes. So we're gonna end here in a bit, but when you, um, still like you feel like you communicate with her I do she's she's not in pain anymore like what do you what do you sense when you feel her when you're talking to her is it like you're back in Paris in your 20s or is it you now of what you've gone through in your life I well I always write to her happy birthdays and merry Christmas and uh, things we've done together if I start to think about it and I'm laughing I'm working uh, for a company online so I'm always near uh, the computer and if I just feel that I have to say something to her I let her know 
Uh, I told her Pierre about Pierre's passing because she would like to know that. I don't know if she can see me or feel me, but I have uh, an issue about that. And she said, we will connect, don't worry. So I have a feeling that she can feel me and see me. And I just want to carry on the friendship. I don't want it to stop. Yeah. Uh, at some point later in life, I'm not ready right now, but uh, I'm sure she's waiting for me one day. I think I will see her again. Um, oh. For me, she's quite alive. She's not very dead in my mind. Yeah. Well, so love, love outlives death. Like love still goes on. And if it's, if we need it just in our heart and soul, or if it actually is real, it does the same effect. It helps us still feel connected. Exactly. And it's not like, cause it's confused. Like I lost my husband 12 years ago, but there's like, it doesn't make any sense to your brain that they're not here just because there's bo- their body. And so it, it made, I had a lot of interesting dreams. Like, I don't know if that's him, but I feel like that's not the final. And I don't, we all have different beliefs, but it's, even if it is just, you still feel their presence. It's so valid, you know, because that's your heart. That's all your stories. It's still, you know, if it's this time, if it's outside of time, who knows, but I think love goes on past, past the grave. And I'm so honored to have known her in real life as well. And I will never, ever, ever forget her. She's a very special lady. Mm. Uh, Helly, this was wonderful. And I had reached out because I wanted to do a tribute to different people. And I think some people, like, I don't know what I'm going to say or, you know, but I'm really, it took, I'm glad you reached out because I felt it's important that we tell the stories of those who can no longer tell them because we, we still can tell the stories and it's a different perspective of how she would tell it. You get to tell it from the soft side of her, the loud flamboyant part. You got to see the parts that a lot of people didn't get to see or that maybe she didn't know were even part of her. Like, I think as friends, we see those deep mm. friendships different than the person even knows of their own effect on people, like how much she really affected you. Yes, she did have a big impact on me. That's for sure. And you on her. I just feel like that was very much a reciprocal friendship that she got the benefit of these deep friendships and laughter and someone who you can just show up at her house with no warning. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. And I know uh, we talked about sharing some photos and I think people would love to see pictures of her, but pictures of you to see, like, she did have really good friends. And I think that's a nice thing we want for, for the people we care about, not just that they were a celebrity, but they actually were loved well. And uh, so those pictures will probably be very valuable for people to see that she was loved well. I will try to dig down and see if I can pick up something lovely. Okay. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself. And when life gets back to normal, I'm going to be back over in Sweden. So I'll, I'll take you up on that. We'll go have lunch and in Denmark, in my favorite city in the world, which is Copenhagen. Perfect. Okay, well, you take care. Yes, thank, thank you. you very much. Bye. Bye.